It's here, it's time, I've finally been ground down. You spoke and we listened. This podcast is all about winners and losers. Tucker, it will be the longest uh, in NFL history if it's I don't mean anyone's actually speaking a to sixty-six me. yard drive. Tucker's <laughs> kick is on the way. It is good it's crossbar and it tumbles through. It is good. Time has expired. Justin Hello Tucker and welcome to episode number ninety-three of the And the Kick is Good podcast. My name's Tom and I'm joined as usual by Colm and Brad. Say hello, guys. No. Correct. Um, it's been another week in the off-season um, with plenty of news to actually discuss this week. Um, so I chose this week to drop a nugget in the group chat um, that we are also going to discuss various trades that have happened in the not-so-distant past and finally, once and for all, decide and decipher the winners and the losers of those trades. Some are fairly obvious and I've just kind of included as a, like, Wow, yeah, that, that looked bad at the time, and it turns out it was pretty bad. Um, and others will have a little bit more discussion. Um, just to, to kind of peel back the curtain a tiny bit, none are from uh, any time more recent than July 2020. Um, so I get to stick to my guns that there's no point in crowning winners and losers two years, like the day after a trade drops or whatever. Um, but we are doing a winners and Coward. losers trade episode, so <laughs> you can't have your cake and eat it. Anyway, before we get into the news, Brad, um, you sound a little hoarse, my friend. Yes, I, I have had a very close COVID contact situation, and now I await patiently the news whether uh, my streak is over or not. Uh, <laughs> I, I for, for, for years now, I've diligently not gotten COVID, uh, and that opportunity may have been taken away from me. So Was it like three weeks ago that you were boasting that everybody got pinged but you, and we made the joke that you were the common denominator? <laughs> yes, and since then I've been pinged twice, uh, <laughs> and most people looked at me and go, wait, you're still getting pinged? I thought that was just like a myth, uh, and I was like, no, it's happening. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, I might have COVID. Who knows? We'll be able to tell from the editing. If you've edited it, then you'll know that I've got COVID. <laughs> <laughs> but how will the audience know? Uh, Colin, how was your week? Uh, yeah, I went on a night out with Brad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love your inability to not laugh at your own punchlines before you deliver them. It's got to be up there with like top three things of doing a podcast with you. <laughs> Uh, Did you join the committee, that? Colin? Oh yeah, so there's a cricket committee. Yeah, I've joined. Almost been joined, into, or has been joined. Yeah, we discussed that last week. I did in fact join a, a cricket committee, <laughs> and I am now in the middle of writing them grant proposals. <laughs> you just can't to from it. myself. Yes. I should point out. I was going to say that's literally your job. <laughs> Isn't it? Is it because you're the only one who can who can work a laptop, but they don't know that your laptop's terrible? Yeah. yeah, the moment they find out, out I'm rambled. <laughs> you got one use and you're not very good at it. It's... What's more, column? Uh, bang out 12 overs. Morning paper, morning star. Paper, mister? 
So yes, we will begin as we normally do with the news and as it seems like is a weekly uh, part of the news now we have to discuss another player um, that has sadly lost their life. Um, this week it is Jalen Ferguson, uh, the Baltimore Ravens linebacker who has died age 26. Um, he was kind of slated to start for the Ravens this season, not that that really matters all that much in the grand scheme of things. Um, this sort of came over out of nowhere. Um, it's not a name that I think many people would really be that, um, you know, it wasn't a household name or anything, kind of like, I guess, Winston was purely because of draft capital and, and the college career he had. But, um, yeah, authorities have said that there were no signs of trauma or foul play, but they're looking to determine a cause of death. Um, he and his partner, unfortunately, had two children that he leaves behind. Just another really, really sad situation. Yeah, we no, will. no one's just say a unfortunate yeah. loss of life once again. We'll move on to uh, another Ravens passing. This time it's uh, legend Tony Siragusa, um, who was part of the uh, legendary Ravens uh, 2000 defense. He was defensive tackle. He was larger than life by every single kind of comment or eulogy I've seen. Um, he was fairly obviously kind of before our time in terms of NFL but he did work in NFL coverage doing like sideline reporting and stuff around the times that we were watching he isn't a guy that I remembered um, I, I don't think I really recognised him um, but he has died age 55 um, Jim Ursay had one of the better qualities uh, qualities sorry uh, one of the better tweets uh, where he said the goose which is his name squeezed 200 fun loving years into 55 um, which I think if you're going to live 55 years, that's the way you'd want to live them. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Again, uh, rest in peace. And unfortunately, once again, for the Raiders, uh, they have to go through so much in such a short period of time. I can't say on a slightly lighter note, um, but on a slightly more current note, I suppose, um, we have a Deshaun Watson update. Um, we are recording on Tuesday at 20 past 8 UK time he is no we're not <laughs> today oh, is Monday, Monday. <laughs> apologies uh, well done me um, but yes he Deshaun Watson is slated for his disciplinary disciplinary proceedings to start tomorrow um, that's Tuesday this could go on for weeks it could go on for days um we don't really have any more information in terms of a timeline for it, but it's one of those where um, you may hear snippets in this podcast that we haven't been able to edit around or something where um, uh, a ruling comes out um, for the disciplinary uh, proceedings of Deshaun Watson um, and we kind of make a comment that doesn't make much sense, but we will endeavour, whether it be me or an unhealthy Brad, to make it make <laughs> sense. Um, a couple of notes about the proceedings. Um, the NFL has brought in uh, an actual legal judge who is going to kind of preside over things as well as the um, head of the disciplinary committee for the NFL um, who was appointed a couple of years ago after um, Rog got into some hot water for how he was dealing with um, suspensions <laughs> and he went okay cool I'll give it to someone else but really I'm still paying them so they'll kind of do what I want um, and Deshaun Watson has hired like the super lawyer 
um, who got Brady down to four <laughs> games from six and is basically seen as like the worst enemy of the league. Um, coaches love him, um, you know, like league offices hate him, um, and I don't know his name. But yes, this is going to be very interesting. I think bringing in a, an actual quote unquote judge probably doesn't help the league as much as people would think in terms of if the NFLPA are going to hammer this angle of a precedent has been set um, with regards to owners not being punished you know, to within an inch of what they should have been, then how can you expect the players to, to have a completely different punishment? Um, and, and to be honest, I, I think that's a good argument. We We wish, I believe, that Robert Kraft and <laughs> most definitely Dan Schneider would have been punished more. Um, but yeah, there is a problem there looking from the outside of, of somebody who knows the, the, the tiniest smidgen of UK law um, that, that they do seem to have a case with that. But we'll see. Um, there is a lot more news out there around um, Deshaun Watson and the league kind of failing to come to an agreement over a year suspension. That seems to be kind of common belief now. Um, and so the league are obviously going to go into this disciplinary proceeding. It's a year, but more. indefinite in suspension is the term, right? Like, well, but but it, I, I think there was, there was talk that there was a it. settlement that, that, yeah, Watson, yeah. that Watson refused to take that was a year flat, I believe. Um but the, the there seems to be some issue around the wording um, where the league basically wants to be able to extend this if more cases come out, which makes total sense from the league standpoint of wanting to save face, right? If they give him a year and then this time next year, 10 more allegations come out, they want to be able to go, well, you know, we have to put him back on it until these have, uh, until this has been sorted or whatever. Like they, they want to have that wiggle room. Um, see to me if I'm the league I'm thinking the opposite actually like I want my hands washed of this like it's you know I'm giving them a year that's for the totality of the thing if more allegations come out we've dealt with it it's gone in the past I think the last thing the league actually wants is to go okay this is a year then one other allegation comes out and they have to go okay so is that four games is that six games they (laughs) The league doesn't like nah. making decisions, particularly when it comes to superstar players, right? I, I disagree entirely. I, the, the thing that the league actually want, in my opinion, is to suspend the Sean Watson for the absolute bare minimum that the majority of society deem. Oh, yes. Is like that, so that's what they want to do. And so they want to guard against the fact that the majority of society is going to flip out if another bunch of allegations come out. And that's what they're doing. They're arming themselves, or they're trying to arm themselves with the ability to to make the the court of public opinion happy if more allegations come out down the road. I think that's what they're doing. Yeah, yeah and uh, they, they they don't. This, sorry, Brad. Sorry, Brad, to cut you off. But they don't want to. They don't want to hand out a year a year suspension. Then ten more allegations come out this time next year, and they go, "Well, we suspended him once. What can we do?" Because that makes them look yeah. really fucking shit. And so that's see. I'm not saying, you know, I've got no evidence for any of this, but to me, the league is more likely to... I'm surprised the league doesn't judge that the majority of people would just say, this is old shit, if new stuff comes out. 
Like, I'm not saying that is the right opinion. I'm just saying I'm surprised that isn't the league's opinion of other people's opinions. It's a different league now, though, isn't it? It's a different league from, from 10, 12 years ago with Ben Roethlisberger. It's a different league to what what was the Zeke stuff three years ago? You know, it's, it's a different society yeah. now. And I think, again, we, we can't get away from the fact that the MLB banned one of its kind of promising pitchers for two entire seasons and okay they took a while to get there but they what they did whilst they got there was essentially put him on a rolling i, I can't remember if it was it, it was like two weeks or what it, you know it was a, a length of time rolling suspension and every time it got to the end of that they would just tack on another two weeks another two weeks another two weeks um now i don't think that's likely to happen but at the end of it i you know, when you read into the case behind it and the fact that, okay, it was some pretty fucking horrific shit, but that was that was one case and that was one woman. Like, two years feels, you know, correct. Yeah? Like, I'd, I'd love him not to have a job anymore, full stop, but that's, that's not how the justice system works. You know, you still have a right to earn a living. So, yeah, that's what put the most pressure on them, I think, is the fact that you can't be seen to be going lighter than an, than another professional league, even you know as much as the NFL just to, owns professional sport. Just to pull you up on one thing, uh, the I don't think US justice system recognises that you do have a right to earn a living. <laughs> just putting that out there. Well, also, Colin, I appreciate your Republican in general. <laughs> I, I appreciate your Republican approach to matters of eh, if we give it enough time, apathy will settle in, and they'll just <laughs> let us do what we want. It's pretty it's, true. It's, 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 it's not it's far stra- off, in fairness. It's a, it's a, it's a strategy. I mean, we really see it with Cleveland fans. They're like, yeah, but we want to win the football game, and it's like, yeah, okay, there, there are bigger things. Um, yeah, no, I think it's hopefully you know sense prevails it's it's a weird one because the nflpa obviously have to take an interest in the case and you know they have to from from their side of things you know they have to be careful and make sure that they uh, that this isn't used in precedent for further down later you know with with other players it's just it's incredibly weird where it's like yeah Deshaun Watson is like the use case now for what the rest of the NFL PA does for the, for the rest of time and it's just like it feels like it couldn't have been a more losing case for the players union in in terms of the eyes of uh, the public as to be like oh so you're going to defend this guy and so like no they kind of have to defend him that's sort of the purpose of a union I, I just see that sort of thing coming up and I'm finding it like interesting to see how it happens, you know, how, how things swing back and forth in terms of who's right and who's wrong. But yeah, one to two years would be great. I don't think, Column, that this is that the league is going to be able to be like, oh yeah, we, we can suspend it for a year and it's done because uh, the, the lawyer, Tony Busby, has filed the first case against the Houston Texans as well. So while the Deshaun Watson chapter of it may begin to, you know, peter out, the rest of what this means for the league, for the Texans, for the Browns, for the draft picks, for the money that was given to hit you know, that's been signed for, all this, it's, you know, still so much up in the air, right? Like it'll be and very interesting to see how that plays out. 
I would highly suggest reading some of the Tony Busby stuff um, and, and some of the uh, citation and documentation that has been released on Twitter about the um, about the whole situation with the different um, masseuses. I believe it was sixty six, but I might have that number a little bit wrong. Um, and and some of the conversations that happened like early on in this, um, we talked about masseuses texting each other asking if if things had gone, you know, a little bit alternative and directly asking, you don't have to tell me, but was one of the players Deshaun Watson by chance, which is like, that's a very strange thing to just come out with. Um, and this yeah. was, this was like three years ago. This wasn't recent, you know, in terms of since the, since the allegations have come out. Um, yeah, there's the, I feel comfortable now saying that, Every party in this needs to be punished. Watson, the Browns, and the Houston Texans. Um, the, the Browns will be punished by not having Deshaun Watson on the field. And I think that, although a lot of people will be annoyed that they will eventually get Watson on the field, um, the fact that they have built their roster to kind of win now and in the next two years, um, you know, that there will be a significant on-field ramifications for this. Um, the Texans have to pay with draft picks. That's the only way that that organization is going to feel, you know, accountable. Um, money doesn't really matter. We've been through that so many times. Um, and, you know, how else do you hit a team? Um, and <laughs> How do you punish the Browns, though? Um, well, you, but by not giving them any picks back from the Texans for, for what they traded to acquire Watson... Um, and and this, but the Browns is, is by Watson not playing, by suspending him. You are you are if if he if he misses this whole season, the Browns are capped at what like eight wins. The Browns aren't winning a Super Bowl with Deshaun without Deshaun Watson, and that's why they went out and got him. Now, if you really it was want... something else. It was something I was thinking about when you were wrestling on earlier. Thanks. Was it's it's very unusual for a team to set up themselves to tank. No, like by drafting a player that they're almost certain is going to get suspended for a significant period of time, like that's an unusual form of tanking, particularly when you don't have the first round picks to you know to benefit from that tank. Yeah, well, like that's, that's just sadness did. as a Browns fan, that's, right? That's not the one they did though. They didn't trade for him with the intention of tanking. There's no way they thought he would get a year or or more, and he might not still. But I think I think a year makes at this point. Unfortunately, makes the most sense, and I think it'll probably fall down at, at twelve. The money side of it will be interesting, just to see what happens. As yeah, well, so, so it, it's, it has been mentioned now that if he is formally suspended, um, then his contract will toll, which means this first year of a million dollars base salary, etc., that will now apply to next year. So he will be on a reduced salary cap hit for next year, but also his earnings would be a lot less, um, which you know isn't the be all end all. But that's that's one of the things that we have brought up on this podcast, and a lot of other people have pointed out is that it is inhumane that he is earning forty five million dollars a year from now yeah. until like essentially twenty thirty. Um, that's not at all when the contract lasts till, but I couldn't be bothered to look it up. I think it's a four year deal, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but. Yes, I, I think by banning Watson, you um, you punish the Browns because 
yes, they, they did some pretty distasteful, inhumane things in terms of trading for Watson, but they didn't enable Watson to do this and they didn't actively do it themselves. So of all the three parties in this, they weirdly might be the most innocent. Um, note I didn't say the innocent, simply the most innocent. Or the least guilty, perhaps, is the better way to put it. Yeah, I, I, I would pick Umbridge with they didn't enable Deshaun Watson by also saying we're going to give you $230 million, fully guaranteed. Sure, but to our knowledge, none of that $230 million have gone towards sexually assaulting masseuses yet. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just a... Nobody's a winner in this situation. They all deserve to be punished. Or as... Norm MacDonald once said, now this might strike some viewers as harsh, but I believe everyone involved in this story should die. Uh, and <laughs> thank you for posting that column so that I could steal it. Uh, <laughs> Quite all right. Um, all right would, the either of you two, would either of you two want to give a little update on what's happening in and around Washington at the moment? Oh, why do I have to keep talking about assholes every week? This is the positivity. Uh, so Roger Goodell testified in front of the U.S. Um, I forget the name of the committee now. So he testified in front of uh, the committee, Congress. Congress, that's it. Uh, testified in front of Congress. Basically, rolled out everything that we expected to hear. This stuff happened. This bad stuff happened. But Mr. Snyder knows what he did is wrong, and he's not doing it anymore. There's been change at the Washington commanders and you can see it based on this, this and this and, and no, I can't remove him from power. And uh, so there's just a, a lot of, you know, wishy washy kind of, as we expected, not committing to anything, um, from the NFL, uh, Dan Snyder, while this happened was, uh, as we heard previously, uh, Dan Snyder was basically just on a yacht somewhere in France, I believe, instead and he will be subpoenaed in time but it's just uh yeah it's just that sort of situation that the, the goodell sort of covered up for him didn't throw him under the bus or anything and as tom would tell you there are 30 other owners in the nfl who are probably watching this with vested interest as to what their employee Roger Goodell was going to say about one of the, the one of the other owners, right? Like yeah. it wasn't what the it, spiciness that we that we, we we could have got. One of the interesting comments uh, Goodell made was, as far as he's aware, Dan Schneider stepped away from the day-to-day running of the now Washington Commanders, which I mean struck me as unusual, considering Dan Schneider was very much front and center at the renaming of the Washington Commanders. Feels like if you're not involved in the organization anymore, you shouldn't be at the renaming press now, conference now, ceremony thing. Not to not to be the oh, Dan Schneider protector here. So yeah, here comes that Tom defending <laughs> Dan Schneider once again. But if you own the thing, you don't have to be involved in the day to day running and I would still expect you to be at the renaming of the thing. Like that 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 does make sense. Didn't he sign over the ownership to his wife? Technically, yes. Yeah, but he's still, you know, he, his wife would have been there for when he owned it. Like, in terms of renaming and stuff, she'd have been somewhere. 
Yeah, like, but or, I think you know, the... if, if you or your spouse own something for PR's sake, you both have to make an appearance, and therefore, like I, I don't think that's the strangest thing. Everything else, fucking mental, but that weird, that one little thing that you've picked out, I think, is fairly standard. Well, I get it from the sense of you said you weren't involved, but here you are clearly being involved. If you weren't involved in anything, you think generally based on everything going around him, good PR would be, let's not have uh, <laughs> Mr. Snyder there because yes, but... reporters might start asking us questions about Mr. Snyder and Mr. <laughs> he, he Snyder's role with the team. That he believes he has enough money to just not give a shit about normal rules for normal people. He, like he yeah, pretty, like but... how he set up like, shadow investigations yeah. into the people that he abused or uh, having uh, private investigators track the phone records of uh, beat porters, that kind of stuff. <laughs> this is mental. Does it's that, does that like strike this, you as consistent, Sam? <laughs> this, this feels like something out of like, uh, a, a gritty DC movie. That's that's where Dan Schneider is getting to now. Like In terms of... Like, he's, he's one step away from becoming the Penguin. That's how I see it. I just love it how you were like, now not to defend Dan Snyder, and Columns has got like six Uno cards <laughs> in his in his back pocket, and he's just like, all right, now, come on, Tom, bring, bring me that Twitter logic, and I'll go I, one, two, three. I defended Roger Goodell's statement. <laughs> <laughs> that was all uh, about your buddy Dan. <laughs> Shh, nobody has to know. Yeah, oh, um, boy. So yeah, that's sh- ticking on. Also in. People in the NFL might not be good uh, people, billionaires. The Raiders have, like, what, like, and seemingly endless amount of workplace harassment uh, cases popping up as well from about 2013 through to 2022. So watch this space for more people having to answer to their crimes. Just kidding. They're billionaires. They don't. Um. Right, to, I mean, take your pick, fork in the road, choose your own adventure. Alex Smith or Warren Sapp next? Which one do you want? Hmm. Uh, well, let's carry on the, down the train of people are dicks. So, so, so Warren, Warren Sapp. Sapp. Okay, okay, cool. So Warren Sapp, who was famously fired from the NFL Network in what year, guys? It was just after one of the Super Bowls. Uh, I'm going to say... 2016. Yes, I think it was one in Tampa, right? When was the Tampa Super Bowl? No, that would have been 2020. Uh, 2021, sorry. Maybe it would have been Miami. Uh, 2019? 2015. Oh. Yes. Um, he was was fired after being arrested um, on one count of soliciting prostitution and two counts of assault. Um, Sounds like a lovely human being. Um, anyway, he made waves this week um, after, you know, about six weeks after the fact, claiming that he has heard that Colin Kaepernick's workout with the Raiders was the worst workout they've ever seen. Um, th- this just seems fucking pointless. Like, what's what's he trying to launch off the back of this? Because having a go at Colin Kaepernick, that that doesn't really run at the moment. Not not in like popular media circles, anyway. Um, and, and it just seemed like a totally pointless and unnecessarily jibe. Um, Kaepernick's agent has basically fired back and saying he obviously didn't speak to the coach or the GM. Um, and, and yeah, I, I just saw this today and I was like, Warren Sapp, like, you, you pissed away your best chance at a post-playing career 
um and and like just live with it just fuck off like why are you why are you trying to scathe at Colin Kaepernick what what is going on here there's there's got to be some sort of ulterior motive and I don't need you in my football viewing so just stop talking <laughs> yeah I mean this is where Colin said... comes in and says that I just hate Warren Sapp because he called the Steelers defense old and slow back in like 2012 <laughs> no I was gonna say I was watching good morning no not good morning what's the um Rich Eisen, what they do, like, before game day. Um, Hello, the sun has risen. Yeah, that one. <laughs> you know, where they do, that, they do the thing with Michael Irving and Mariucci and all that kind of stuff. We hours of on-screen live football content. Let's call it this. But basically, because but Sap was on that, right? And then he got, obviously got fired because of everything he did. Um, but I was watching it last year at one point, and Rich Eisen mentioned he had a text from Warren Sapp and told the others what the text was. And just hearing Warren Sapp's name made me do like a Scooby-Doo head turn kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's just weird that they, they kind of acknowledged him after all that time. Um, yeah. So hearing his name again is kind of like, yeah, I guess, I don't know, maybe he's expecting some kind of comeback at some it, point. It's, or, it's uh, a weird sort of, huh, that's how old we are. Like that seven years ago was when he was fired. That, that, I think it's just one of those things where both of you go, wait, Warren Sapp and Colin Kaepernick are in the news? Like, that's it. That's, <laughs> that's it all you have. You go, wait, what's going on? Like, has there been another blackout at a Super Bowl? Like, what the hell's happening? Like, yeah, it's yeah. just, as you said, it's just someone giving out for the sake of giving out. And it's like, six years too late on being relevant by talking about Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> Um, like, right. Yeah. Shall we? Shall we talk about Alex Smith? Um, yes. Um, what happened to Alex Smith now? Uh, unfortunate and yet fortunate news. Um, so his daughter um, was diagnosed uh, with a very rare malignant tumor on her brain. Um, she had to undergo a ten-hour procedure to remove the tumor. Um, however, it looks like everything has gone well. She's bounced back from the brain surgery like a rock star. Um, to quote, and it looks like things are positive, but I mean, when when you talk about what Alex Smith has been through, okay, he's had a very privileged career in terms of playing football for a living, earning millions of dollars, but former number one overall pick, flames out um, with the Niners, goes to the Chiefs, essentially gets beaten out by the homes, goes to Washington, his leg explodes, like... All of that, and then chuck on the fact that he's, you know, he, he would have thought there for a time that, you know, he might not have his daughter for very long. But, you know, we'll end this brutal section of the news <laughs> with a positive outlook that it, it seems as though she's going to make, you know, every single bit of a full recovery. So positive news on that front. Good, good. Glad to hear the yeah the positive news for him, his wife, his daughter, and the rest of his family. You'll be worried there, really worried there for a second about everything that's going on. So, yeah, fingers crossed for the, for the Alex Smith family and his daughter Sloane that they get better when she gets better from here on out. Um, quick bit of player news. Uh, the Steelers last week signed Larry Ogunjobi, a defensive tackle who was on the Super Bowl uh, run with the Bengals last year and got injured, leading to BJ Hill getting more time. Um, he's also previously been with the Browns. He had a uh, career-high seven sacks last year. Um, he, he pseudo fills the hole that Stefan Tuitt has left um, by retiring 
they will now have like possibly seven defensive linemen, which is way more than they normally have. And I think they might just kind of chuck paint at the wall and see what sticks in terms of positioning. Um, so something slightly fun to watch during uh, <laughs> during preseason games. Um, on that front, Omar Khan um, structured a contract that is worth quote up to eight million dollars. Um, another shift away from the Kevin Colbert style of things, who just generally would not build incentives at all. Finally, in the news, um, Luke Keekley um, released or, or revealed that he's going to be doing Panthers play-by-play uh, for seven games this upcoming season. I only wanted to include this because, I mean, which of us are going to be listening to Carolina Panthers local radio for games <laughs> this season? But yep, yeah, <laughs> that VPN is going to be doing overtime in it, Carl. Um, yeah, this seems like the next logical step in terms of trying to find the next great play-by-play guy. Um, you know, the quarterback thing feels fairly tapped out, and with Breeze, etc., you have discovered that not all quarterbacks can be great play-by-play guys. But Keekley was renowned for his intelligence, his ability to play the middle linebacker as, you know, boring as it is, quote, the quarterback of the defense. Um, he was charismatic, he was well-spoken, he understood how to get his point across to multiple people. Like These are all kind of well-known things about Luke Keekley and his personality. So I'm not going to say he's going to go into the hall of like John Madden-style commentary, right? But this this feels like a positive move. And if he was doing Thursday Night Football and he was on you know the Fox's second best game in two years, I wouldn't exactly be surprised. Yeah, what I'm not surprised by is that uh, he's already on the Bank of America Stadium injury report uh, is Keekley for <laughs> the upcoming games. But no, hopefully hopefully he does well. Uh, can't be any worse than Drew Brees, maybe. Uh, but, you know, go about it the right way by starting these people on local team radio where they'll have fans who'll listen to them and provide constructive feedback and not putting them on major TV networks and fucking hoping it works out for the best <laughs> stupid stupid system of american tv yes um so if there's nothing you guys want to add we will move into winners and losers trade edition yes okay so the first trade i've got on the docket and i did say some of these would be easy to do um to describe and by the way this is hard and fast there is a winner and there is a loser there's no push there's no 60 40 i need you to make a hard and fast judgment on who you think won and who you think lost uh, the trade which is going to be difficult with this first one on the 25th of july hopefully that reminder is just for you tom and not for me and colin because me and colin very good at you know, just calling out a winner, whereas you'll um, ah, count an ah, and everything else in between. <laughs> How dare you. 25th of July, 2020, the Seattle Seahawks acquired Jamal Adams and a fourth round pick, which ended up the being Jets. cornerback Kobe Bryant. <laughs> and the New York Jets, sorry, acquired Bradley McDougal, safety, um, a first round draft pick in 2022, which ended up being Garrett Wilson, and a first rounder and a third rounder in 2021, which I assume essentially became um uh Zach. Surname. Probably. No, I think they already had that pick, didn't they? Yeah, they already had the second overall pick. All right. Well, I don't have what they what the because this this one was so cut and dry. It doesn't matter. It's already the Jets, but one one of these teams was forced into a drastic rebuild and trading away their uh, stud QB. The other team is developing. 
Uh, the other team is two years away from that position. <laughs> yeah, the other yeah. team is two years away from Fitzpatrick. This was purely included as one of those, yeah, that looked really bad at the time, and it turns out still really bad. Um, as you say, the Seattle Seahawks were forced to essentially pay Adams um, because they just put so much sunken cost into him already. Anyway, moving on to the second one. Um, again, almost a slam dunk, um, but just more a kind of page back to history. Um, April 25th, 2020, the San Francisco 49ers acquired who, Colin Taylor? No, they didn't acquire me. <laughs> uh, trade in 2020, that was, uh, that was for Trent Williams. It was Trent Williams from the Washington, at that point, football team. Let's just say, um, for a 2021 third rounder and a 2020 fifth rounder, um, the situation around this is obviously the important part. Williams just flat out wanted out of Washington, kind of refused to play, and also there were some health kind of concerns around Williams. Um, the picks that Washington ended up using were Benjamin St. Juiced and Keith Ismail. Ever heard of them? Who? No. Yes, exactly. Um, obviously, I'm expecting the San Francisco 49ers to win this trade from UT. Um, but yeah, I, I if you'd have asked me what they gave up, I'd have assumed it would have had to include a first-round pick. I mean... No. So you go ahead, Colin. This is your team. Sure. As I said, the, you know, that uh, trade happened as uh, immediately as they announced that Joe Staley had retired, uh, who was obviously the 49ers uh, premier left tackle for several years. The Trent Williams trade is obviously a big win for the 49ers, but you've also got to consider that there was a win for the then football team because he flat out did not want to play for them. No, he flat out did not want to play for them because they're a dirtbag organization. <laughs> so to the extent that was a self-sabotage, 100%. Um, but they got something for an asset that refused to be anything for them. But still... You know, the 49ers very much won that trade. The 49ers win because they had someone play for them, but overall this changed so little of the NFL landscape. <laughs> <laughs> I think the media um, were the real losers for hyping it up. <laughs> okay, March 19th, 2020. Um, Detroit Lions acquired a 2023rd rounder and a 2025th rounder. And the Philadelphia Eagles acquired... This is going to turn into a trivia game. Anyone want to guess? Slay. Darius Slay, yeah, cornerback. Um, the Lions have ended up from those picks with Jonah Jackson, a guard, John uh, Penasini, a defensive tackle, and Quintus Cephas, the wide receiver who made a few plays last season. Um, again, feels like this answer is probably quite obvious, but you guys may consider something else. I mean, I don't think Slay's been the same cornerback he was when he was in uh, Detroit. Am I wrong on that? He was up and down, but last year he was pretty damn good. Like, I think the first year he got there, he was phenomenal. Then I thought he dropped off the next year. And then I thought last year he was, like, somewhere between those two spots, if that makes any sense. As I was say, I think he's been, I mean, he's been a number one corner, but I don't think he's been yeah anything more than an average number one corner, if that's not damning with faint praise. He'd be the um, best corner that has played in, in San Francisco for the last ten years, but... <laughs> I think that's where he's at, right? How dare you? That there was that you know good year of 
uh, Richard Sherman <laughs> petered out in the playoffs. Um, <laughs> you know, I think you're going to say, you know, if you can get an average number one corner for that price, great. Uh, again, similar to the Trent Williams issue that he flat out did not want to play for Matt Patricia anymore. And the signing of Matt Patricia was very much the Lions' own fault. I, I think it was um, also the year that the Lions drafted Jeff Okuda at like three overall. So there was like the media, yeah. like, well, there's your immediate replacement. And now his entire body has just betrayed him. I think, yeah, the, the Eagles won because they've been to the playoffs. They've done something with it. And because they were trading to the Lions, and especially that front office, they were giving up nothing to get Darius Slay. Uh, so, yeah. They give it to the Eagles. So here you go, Colm. The one you've always wanted to talk about. The Arizona Cardinals on March 16, 2020 acquired DeAndre Hopkins and a 2020 fourth round pick, which ended up being Rashad Lawrence. Um, the Houston Texans acquired David Johnson and his $11.15 million cap hit. A 2020 second rounder, which became Ross Blacklock, and a 2021 fourth rounder, which I presume they moved because I don't have it listed as to what they used it with. Um, fight so amongst yourselves as to who Well, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Carl. We discussed this on one of our episodes when we got to discuss uh, just trades, winners and losers over the course of history. You know, massive trades that happened. And I think we just both agreed. You know, the Cardinals won this trade. Like it's 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 not even close. It's like the one thing that just sums up that whole Bill O'Brien era of the Texans is this one trade of cool. We we made the playoffs for that the first time in a while, and then we decided to blow it up for <laughs> no reason, and we still, still had a the, we still had a franchise QB. Still had a franchise. Is David Johnson right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's 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 the memeable part of the trade for me. You know, it's like it's like it's like the dumb addition of it. Like it, it feels like the trade would be better if David Johnson wasn't in it. Yeah. Um, but interestingly again, enough, that's what the Texans' was, offense was like. The, uh, we, there were circumstances around this trade as well, though, weren't there? There were there were issues with Bill O'Brien and the Texans, um, and Hopkins was considered to kind of be at the forefront of that i believe like if i'm remembering that correctly so yeah you know this this felt like you know um bill o'brien pushing all of his chips to the middle of the table and going yeah i'm all in on like you know two nine or something (laughs) off yeah it's yeah (laughs) that the problem so when you say it's not even close i think it's a little closer than uh, people remember it being but it's still an absolute win for the cardinals it's if only because they got an asset at like 50 cents on the dollar there's no way a wide receiver at his prime that hopkins was was worth less than a first and there were probably 25 other teams going into that draft that would have offered up a first round pick for deandre hopkins the fact that, some, that the Cardinals had the nerves to offer a second and David Johnson <laughs> and that got them the, the, the offer uh, is what's bizarre rounder. about it. Don't forget the fourth. <laughs> and the fourth rounder. Yeah. The, the I, fact I is, think... I think he's, you know, Hopkins' first year was very good in Arizona and that justified the pay in itself. Last year, hampered by injuries, going into this year, already suspended. It's, yeah. you know, That's he, the he, point, he was a peak it? asset when he was traded. Yeah, and the he's point is, now is on that, that the Cardinals have done very little 
in terms of you know actual success um yeah. you know you could argue that that what did they start at last they were they were the the last team to lose a game last season weren't they it was 11 and or something um but yeah they faded down the stretch again there's questions about the 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 franchise quarterback and whether he's going to stay there um clicking's questions about the front offices coach yeah defense, so everything it, obviously those things aren't the andre hopkins's fault but it's tough to look at a deal like this where everyone was like this is absolutely fucking mental but then you look at the context of the team and you go, you really didn't use that, did you? Well, all I can say is, if I can, as a counterpoint for why the Texans were the winners of this trade, it's because they knew that they were sending uh, DeAndre Hopkins to Arizona and they knew that DeAndre Hopkins was close with Brian Cushing and that Brian Cushing has good context out in Arizona and they knew that at some point <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins was going to serve a six-game suspension for performance-enhancing drugs. It was a it was a long con game from the Texans, but they managed to, to they put it off. They knew that that was going to happen. Because correct me if I'm wrong, Hopkins is still got to serve a six game suspension, right? That is entirely at the start correct. of the season. Yes. So that's that's the only way in which the Texans won. They knew that their strength and conditioning coach, who had previously gotten several of their players suspended, might also get other people suspended. It's a, it's, it's just wonderful trickle down steroidnomics uh, from the Texans. Do you have another one, Tom? That is I do. I have more a, I, I, I had a few, um, but unfortunately, um, my uh, my computer just crashed to the point where it deleted all the screenshots I had taken. However, I will line you up with this one and find some more. Um, on April 9th, twenty twenty, the Houston Texans again acquired Brandon Cooks and a fourth round pick and sent back a 2020 second round pick, which became Van Jefferson to the Rams. Discuss. Yeah. The Texans won that trade. Um, obviously, Van Jefferson played a part last season and had his moments as the Rams went on to win the Super Bowl. But they won that for a variety of other reasons, you know, as well, including the other trades that they made, which were a little bit more in their favor. But Brandon Cooks has been just such an underrated receiver in the league. I think he just keeps putting up thousand yard seasons with no matter who's throwing him the ball. Um, he is always fantasy relevant, you know, and on the field relevant as a result, because he's scoring, putting up yards and touchdowns. And, He's probably the one person in the Texans roster for the last, what, three years that is number one on the team sheet, right? There he is. The, you know exactly where he's going to be. You know, uh, him and David on. Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> the number three was Alfred Blue. Um, so, like, but yeah, like, Brandon Cooks has been absolutely solid for, for, for the Texans, if not great uh considering the situation he's, that he's in and i think yeah, they'll I... still they'll still go out probably next year or even this year at the trade deadline go out and get some capital in response to brandon cooks as well i would i would disagree like i don't think it's a huge win loss either way but i think when you think back to who brandon cooks was at the start of his career I don't think he's lived up to those expectations. Um, 
in that he was this like you know incredible deep threat you know good catch and he you know he's become a volume guy which isn't a a bad thing in the nfl in, in some ways it's more valuable than a deep threat but he's not that home run hitter he once was and instead he's just kind of being force-fed targets because he's the only one with semi-reasonable hands you know living in the houston area anymore <laughs> um like i i think i would like if you <laughs> like if you'd offer me brandon cooks now or a second round pick i would take the second round pick over brandon cooks considering i know i know this is an offer that would have been made three years ago but i think just looking back at his last three years i'd rather have that second round pick See, the well, funny thing about is that the stats don't agree with you because he had his third <laughs> highest career year yards per target with the Texans in 2020. And it was only above that in, with the Saints and the Rams by a couple of yardage. Like last year, it was more so, but that's because they had Davis Mills. So I will respectfully disagree with you there, Colm. I think Brandon Cooks has slept upon. Uh, let me put it this way, right? It comes the, the, the Texans the have been... The, the Texans have been in desperate need of a full rebuild for several years, and they would have been better served using that second-round pick to take a swing at improving their roster than paying for a veteran who has kept them in the doldrums. In 2020, they were <laughs> still had an exciting quarterback who Tom will tell you now, had uh, would happily tell you that he had one of the greatest seasons for a quarterback that could ever have four wins <laughs> tom's buddy Sean Watson. <laughs> I, I, it, their, their issues extend far beyond brandon brandon cooks uh, in terms of how they build that roster but I, I would still defend that trade in their favor but tom please now that your computer has restarted the screenshotting what you found oh, some oh, others it hasn't but i found another one um this one I, I think will probably be the biggest talking point, um, which is uh, March 16th, 2020, Minnesota Vikings acquire um, a 2020 first rounder, a 2021 fourth rounder, a 2025th rounder, and a 2026th rounder. And in return, they send Stefan Diggs to the Buffalo Bills along with a seventh rounder. Stefan Diggs, who obviously carried a um, fairly decent price tag then, but has since signed a four-year, $96 million deal this offseason. Very important um, in this conversation, I feel, is that the first rounder that they got back was used on Justin Jefferson. This is the closest one to a push that you could call, <laughs> but it's only a push if you're judging future potential and things carry on as they are for Justin Jefferson. I think at the moment, this trade is entirely in favour of the Buffalo Bills, just due to the amount of success uh, that they've had in comparison. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings are, are a wildcard team at best, whereas the Bills have been transformed in part to Stefan Diggs and just Josh Allen's development with him uh, there as well into a perennial AFC contender and in and playing in perhaps the, one of the hardest divisions in football before this year and uh, the NFC uh, <laughs> sorry and the AFC uh, West went out of control and signed everyone like Diggs is has been fantastic uh Justin Jefferson has been brilliant but 
you know, we've been fooled by it. I, I've seen it happen before. You can have a few strong years and then you can drop off and your performance is, isn't what it used to be. So we've got to... Justin Jefferson has to maintain it. Would I back him to? Obviously. Because uh, I think he's... <laughs> I think he's bloody brilliant. Uh, but it's it's got to maintain you know it's got to maintain that pace uh, at the moment because the bills could win a super bowl right now and the vikings feel like they're on the verge of rebuilding a super bowl contender right uh, one one word answer if i give you the other names of players that were drafted from this trade uh, vikings drafted cameron bynum a safety uh, Kenny Willickies and Zach Davidson at tight end. Do any of those names change what you just said? No. No. <laughs> Didn't think so. <laughs> Colm, your opinion on this one. I would probably, again, like you said, it's close. It's not, you know, we're uh, picking hairs here, but um, I would say. I think, I think the I saying think is the splitting hairs, Colm. I don't think we're no, picking, we're picking hairs. Uh, but yeah, we. I would give it to the Vikings. I would say, the reason being, the price they paid for very good wide receiver play. I think they could have, you know, gotten eighty percent of the production with fifty percent of the value, with someone like a Brandon Cooks, for example. <laughs> um, or they could have paid less for him, considering that Diggs clearly wanted out of Minnesota at the time. And I reckon they could have gotten a, a more cut price deal to uh, still acquire him. And you know, as we talked about, they could have been, if they'd spent that first round pick on Justin Jefferson, then you would say absolutely they were right not to make that trade, right? Because Justin Jefferson has come in and played at the same level Stefan Diggs did, without all the other bag- baggage involved in it, in that trade. So, yeah, I, I I get it from that perspective, and. But I don't know how different is is that draft if Jefferson, you know, if the Vikings don't make that trade and is Jefferson still there at that point, you know, for the Bills to take him? It's there. It was always very open in 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 the world of what ifs, but I think based on what we've seen, yeah, Diggs has been more than worth it for the Bills. Justin Jefferson has the potential to be the all time leader for the for the Minnesota Vikings don't get me wrong but that has to happen first before I start you know saying cool that was the you know the the, the trade was in their favor if that happens then yeah absolutely but right now <laughs> that you say that Diggs has won that but that's the closest thing to a push I think you can get Tom so um, we're going to take it down a notch in terms of like overall power but I think this is probably you know, similar level of, of closeness. Um, New York Giants, uh, sorry, the New York Jets acquired a third and a fifth rounder from the New York Giants. With those picks, they drafted Ashton Davis, the safety, and Michael Carter, the running back. And in return, who did your New York Giants procure? Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams, the defensive, well, <laughs> lineman, <laughs> end tackle, who the hell knows? Name that second Jets player again. Uh, Michael Carter. Uh, who's so? Uh, who was the other one? Ashton Davis, the safety. I'd still give it to the Giants. You, I, I, I'd say the Giants purely because yes, whatever Leonard Williams is, tackle, edge, linebacker, whatever they want to work out, eventually pay him. 
Um, I feel like, and, and despite the contract that was given to him by Gettleman, um, has been good, uh, for very, very good at times for, for the Giants. He's been very disruptive as a playmaker. He's been sort of everything as advertised as is. Uh, Asher Davis, I don't know enough about, but Mike Carter, I know enough about to know that the Jets already drafted another running back this year. You effectively traded away a stud lineman who, hey, may or may not want to have been there. That's, that's a whole other thing. Uh, and so far, you have a safety and a third down running back. I, I think what's most interesting about this is like roster construction. Leonard Williams is 27.3 mil against the cap this year. Um, now I did say it was a Dave Gettleman deal, so I would like yeah, the, that to be a ma- the biggest yeah, well, asterisk course. you've got. Throw it but, on but, there. <laughs> but I'm simply saying that that you know, so you're paying 27.3 mil for uh, I think we could call him an above average defensive lineman, right? He's he's not great yet, but he he does a job. You're not looking to yeah. improve on him. He is what he is, right? But on the other side, you've got two guys who started as rookies. Um, as you say, Michael Carter looks to have been replaced, but unsure about that. Um, now, you've got them on rookie deals and on late round rookie deals as well, but you've got two of the cheapest positions, so the the value of those of those rookie contracts is diminished, you know, slightly in terms of safety and running back are, are two of the like least valued positions as we've seen over the last two or three years by teams. So, Colm, I'll throw it to you with, with kind of that caveat is it might not be about well it's, it's definitely not about on field play because if it is Leonard Williams wins it but more about looking at building an entire roster yeah you've given a guy a huge deal you've traded a lot of capital it it was a bad trade from the Giants that's all I've got to say on that in the context of the deals that get they've get them made this is probably one of the best so <laughs> you call it a bad deal i call it a rare gem uh, right uh, a, a we are all. we are going all the way back to the trade deadline in 2019 for this one because this is one of those you mentioned earlier about the trent williams deal that didn't really shake the landscape of the nfl um well how about a sort of three-team trade that ended up happening it involves the Jags, the Rams, and the Ravens. Um, the The initial one that happened uh, was the Jacksonville Jaguars acquired a, the two first-round picks and a fourth-round pick, um, and in return, they traded Jalen Ramsey to the Rams. Um, basically, immediately, the Rams traded Marcus Peters to the Ravens for Kenny Young and a fifth-round pick. And then <laughs> later on, about six months in the future, the Ravens then traded that fifth round pick that they got from the Rams to the Jags for Calais Campbell. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it took a while to become a three-team full trade, but it was one. Um, the Jacksonville picks ended up being uh, Clavon Chase on, the outside linebacker slash edge, and Travis Etienne who um, famously blew out his knee before he could take a snap last year. Um, their 2021 fourth round draft pick, I'm pretty sure they moved around and didn't really do much with. Um, so who won out of the Ravens, who got Marcus Peters and Calais Campbell, the Jags, who got a bunch of moody draft picks, or the Rams, who got 
Kenny Young and Jalen Ramsey. So the immediate losers are the Jags, right? <laughs> like that that's clear. And then between the Rams and the Ravens, it's less of a push and more of a T. Higgins face mask. Um because it feels so close. But I guess the the deciding factor, if there is one for me, is the Rams won a Super Bowl. So the Rams, <laughs> but, I, but I fucking love Marcus Peters and that Ravens defense is ridiculous. But the Rams win this one for me. But it it it's arguably close. And if the Ravens win a Super Bowl this year, which they could, then then it probably squares things back up. Column. Um, uh, to be honest, got lost in that whole description, but I'm pretty sure the Ravens won it. <laughs> Fair enough. I always we, love when we you are clear, right? The, the, the Jags did lose, right? We're, we're all we're all on the same board there, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then finally, I don't know if I said the last one was finally, but this this is the actual last one. I forgot I had this one down. Um, on August the thirty first, twenty nineteen, the Houston Texans, yes, them again. Acquired Laramie Tunsil, Kenny Stills, a 2024th round pick, and a 2021 sixth round pick. Um, Miami got Johnson Badamosi and Julian Davenport, um, a corner and a left tackle, I assume just to fill like roster spots. Um, I th- They got two ones and a two alongside it, but what I have here is the list of players and picks they have acquired from that trade. So Badamosi and Davenport are no longer on the um, on the roster, but Noah Ibon oh almost got there Ibon Gay <laughs> mm, no but the corner he's uh, he's there Solomon Kindley Jalen Waddle Javon Holland Tyreek Hill a twenty twenty two third a twenty twenty two fourth and a twenty twenty three first um, are are what currently has stemmed from that trade um, again. This is similarly like a roster construction thing. Is it worth paying everything you can in order to get your franchise left tackle? Because and and to to go back in time, this was again when Deshaun Watson was being physically assaulted on the field every time he took the field. Was it worth it from a logistical point of view? in order to capitalise upon where they were and what they thought they could be. Yes. Has it worked out for them? <laughs> no. Are the Dolphins looking at that, like, is Stephen Ross have that trade and that trade lineage, like, just updating on a little sheet or somewhere on his computer that he can always look at when he gets sad? Yeah, it tucks, uh, it tucks, probably, him, in, it yes. tucks him in at night, yeah. Yeah, like it, it, Stephen Ross is like is reading his children uh, the fairy tale of the Houston Texans and Laramie Tunsil, and he's like, it all started with a with a bong hit. Now, when you're old enough, I'll tell you what that is. <laughs> and it all started with a bag man from was a bag man from from uh, from college who didn't like him. Yeah, the the, the 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 Dolphins win this one in practicality, right? Like just from everything they've got, the position that they're in. But if you're the Texans at that point, you still justify that trade. Because without it, you know, all the other moves that happen after it, you know, don't happen anyway. So you can't look at it and go, well, if I'd have done this, this would have happened. Because that's just not the case, right? 
Like, none of that happens without this trade. So, yeah. I don't hate the trade for the Texans, but it's clear that they did they did not win uh, <laughs> this one. Column. Tunsil. Everyone else. I'd rather, I'd rather be the Dolphins in that situation. <laughs> if someone's going to give you an absolute mountain of draft picks, um, yeah, I'll take that mountain of draft picks, please. Let's not also forget, Tom, that the one of the picks originally uh, was traded away and became Trey Lance. So I think Colum may opinion may or may not be <laughs> some sort of yeah linked to it. <laughs> bias on well, that. <laughs> again, so you, you look at that trade and then you go nine months down the line and Trent Williams is moving for a three and a five, which okay, drastically different situations, but yeah, it goes to show. Like, not even how bad of a trade it was, but just how different prices can be depending on situations um, and age and injury history, which, uh, of course, we have to mention with Trent Williams. Anyway, that's all the trades from history. Well, can I ask you one? Okay. This is a what-if situation. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, on October 31st of 2017, the Cleveland Browns, tried to trade for AJ McCarron, who was on his end of his rookie deal. (laughs) They had offered a second and third round pick to the Cleveland Browns for AJ McCarron. The trade did not go through because the Browns forgot to put the paperwork in. To to the Raiders, right? Had that gone ahead... uh, No, Browns and Bengals. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. So, had that trade gone through, who would have won it? The then Owen... Seven or 0 and 8 Browns trading for AJ McCarron to save their season, <laughs> or the Bengals who would have received a second and third round pick for AJ McCarron. Um, I'm going to say this one AJ McCarron. Cause... I'm going to say I'm, I'm going to say the Browns would win it because then this story wouldn't have come out. <laughs> and anything. I'm going to say that AJ McCarron wins it because he actually gets to start a game and. <laughs> I think overall, the state of Ohio are the losers uh, for this trade ever coming into reality. Um, other trades that I didn't include in this were uh, Minka Fitzpatrick going to the going to the Patriots for a second round pick. Um, yeah, no, I, we we covered the Minka Fitzpatrick one last week. That that didn't feel like it needed said. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, a couple of other just like really lopsided ones that were just unbelievable to be honest um and we were running a bit long but we could have gone into Jadavian Clowney to the Seahawks uh, just before we end Tom would you like a one more trade deal that's not being accepted right now (laughs) go on uh the house oversight and reform committee has tried to trade a subpoena to Dan Snyder who has refused to accept said subpoena (laughs) in a trade uh remember when I said the normal rules don't apply to him he's gonna get himself in some fucking trouble if he keeps this up <laughs> and on the dan snyder is an asshat note that feels <laughs> perfect i say thank you very much for listening to this episode of the and the kick is good podcast uh, please follow us on twitter at the kick is up but until next week it's goodbye from me goodbye love you <laughs>